Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to give you a Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I do any of that, I would like to say, if you would, please subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Audible, wherever you listen to this episode or this podcast from, if you could, please subscribe and give some feedback to the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. Again, when you do this, it allows the algorithm to further uh, show off this podcast to other people that are trying to look for something. And also, I just like to read people's feedback when I do get it. So that would be greatly appreciated to me. Now, with that all being said, let's start off with the show, Monday Night Raw. Raw will open up with an in-ring promo from Seth Rollins. Seth is out here. Because he's in a good mood and he talks about karma. Seth would mention that karma got Matt Riddle at Clash of the Castle because Seth Rollins beat Matt Riddle there. And had the people singing his song. So Seth's in a real giddy uh, mood at the moment. Seth would mention that Matt Riddle wants a rematch. But Seth insists there isn't going to be another match. And he mentions that he's focused on championship gold. But before he could even mention what type of gold he was talking about, Matt Riddle would come to the ring and rush to the ring and we would get a fight on our hands between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. It would start in the ring, then remove to the outside into the crowd until Seth would break the eyes of Riddle and then run away to the back. Now we got Riddle about to chase after Seth, but before he could do that, he would hear the music of the Judgment Day and out walks Finn Balor and Damian Priest. They're out here to try to recruit Riddle. You even have Damian Priest try to play the friend card on Riddle saying, that, hey, I know you, me, you started together. And he sees what type of crap Riddle has to deal with. And he's trying to, again, play the Frank card to have him join Judgment Day. But that wasn't going to happen. Riddle would decline the offer. And now you have Finn get into the face of Riddle and tell him that, listen, this wasn't us really asking you. This is us telling you. Either you join us or you stand in our way. Riddle would then knee Finn in the face. Damien would try to clothesline Riddle, but Riddle would duck it. And Riddle would clothesline Damien Priest out of the ring. And this will lead to Matt Riddle having a match against Finn Balor right now. And Finn would win the match by pinfall thanks to some help from Seth Rollins. Riddle would have Finn in position to hit an RKO, but Seth would get on the ring apron and distract Riddle. Riddle would grab Seth, and this would lead to Finn grabbing Riddle and hitting a 1916, which is a reverse elevated DDT. Then hit him with the coup de grace for the win. After the match, Seth would get in the ring and hit Riddle with a curb stomp. And Seth would tell Riddle that he isn't going to get a rematch and he needs to move on. Later in the night, Seth Rollins will be walking backstage and he'll get stopped by an interviewer. And before the interviewer could ask him anything, Seth would stop him and say that the moment has passed. Seth would say that he doesn't understand why Riddle is obsessed with him just because he's the face of the brand. Bobby would tell Seth that he isn't the face of the brand because he is. Bobby will let Seth know that since he's the one holding the United States Championship, he has the power. Seth will look at the United States Championship and tell Bobby, that's not the gold I was really looking after, but I'm going to take that off your hands. So next week, we will get a match between Seth and Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Further on into the night, we will get Dominic Mysterio explaining why he turned on Edge and his father, Ray Mysterio, in a video. Dom would say that he has always known as the child of Ray Mysterio. He wanted to break away from it 
and become his own man. He would say that his father never really asked him what he wanted for his career, and he should have asked him, but his father didn't. So that's the reason why he joined with the Judgment Day. Dom would say that Edge got what he deserved at Clash of the Castle, and tonight he's going to finish him. We would then see Rhea Ripley walk into the camera and whisper something into Dominic's ear, and Dom would say that he isn't a boy anymore. He's a man. So Rhea Ripley has some control over Dominic Mysterio. So that's another reason why Dom is now in the Judgment Day. And it's clear as day that WWE is playing up to what the internet has been saying about Rhea Ripley basically controlling Dominic and like Dominic's being a little like puppy to Rhea at this moment. They haven't really like made it like absurdly clear on television, but with the innuendos as you can see on television, you kind of can get that, that they're playing up to the internet crowd for this. After the explanation, we would then get our WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match of Damage Control's Dakota Kai and EO Sky with Bailey in their corner, going against the champions Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. Dakota and EO would win the match thanks to Bailey when Aaliyah was able to hit a springboard face buster and pin Dakota, but Bailey would put Dakota's leg on the bottom rope. The referee would stop the count. Raquel would start walking over to Bailey. Bailey would walk away from Raquel. Aaliyah would then hit Bailey with a baseball slide. Then you would see EO Sky get on the top turnbuckle and hit Raquel Rodriguez with a moonsault. Then you will see Dakota Kai hit Aaliyah with the chiropractor, which is basically a double knees to the back to win the match. So now we have new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. People were wondering why didn't they do that to start with? Why did we give Raquel and Aaliyah the win two weeks ago? This was just basically a test run for Raquel and Aaliyah just to see how people would deal with it before they eventually handed over to Dakota and Io. Because again, there's rumors and speculations that Naomi and Sasha Banks are coming back to WWE. It has never been confirmed. Nothing has been confirmed. So that's the only thing people can hope that we're going to get Naomi and Sasha to come back and basically feud off with Dakota and Io since technically they never lost the tag team championships. But We'll have to see if that time ever happens. After this, we would get Johnny Gargano going against Chad Gable, who had Otis in his corner. Johnny Gargano would win the match by pinfall when he would hit one final beat, which is a springboard in-ring DDT for the win. After the match, Otis would run into the ring and try to attack Johnny, but Johnny would duck and hit Otis with a super kick. Otis wouldn't drop, so Johnny hits him with another one. Otis still wouldn't drop. So now you have Otis lunging at Johnny. Johnny would duck out of the way, and this time he would just cross chop, tell basically Otis to suck it, and then leave the ring. Now Johnny's walking up the ramp. Theory would attack him from behind with the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then you would see Theory take a selfie over Johnny Gargano and start walking towards the ring. Once Theory gets in the ring, he gets a mic, and he starts playing with the fans, asking them, did he interrupt Johnny Gargano's moment and then before Theory can get into his whole stick, Kevin Owens will come out and Theory will tell Kevin Owens to shut up. It says that he is fed up with people like him interrupting his moments. Kevin Owens will tell Theory that people like him have come around WWE a dime a dozen and fizzle out, while people like Johnny Gargano and himself are the heart and soul of this business and come around WWE once in a million. This is basically the veteran telling the young guy to make moments for yourself. Don't let certain people hand you things. Kevin Owens will say, hey, listen, I've been handed things on a silver platter. I was handed a universal championship, but that's where our comparisons end. I've worked hard. You haven't. 
So you got this ve veteran guy of Kevin Owens trying to tell this young guy theory that, yo, you have everything that you need to make it in this business. You just got to stop waiting for people to hand you things. Theory wouldn't hear it and tell Kevin Owens that he will never look like him. Kevin Owens would say that he thought he could talk some sense into Theory, but he sees he has to go a different route. So he slaps Theory across the face, and now we get a fight between Theory and Kevin Owens. Referees and backstage agents will come to the ring to separate both of the men, and it will end with Theory basically leaving with a bloody nose. So Kevin Owens and Theory seems to be like a rivalry that they're pushing on the Monday Night Raw like show. After this, it's time for Bianca Belair to come down to the ring, and now she's having an open challenge for the Raw Women's Championship. Sonya Deville would take the challenge and tell Bianca she's the reason she lost her position in office. Bianca would kill that noise and ask for a referee to come down so they can get this match started, so we have the Raw Women's Championship match. Bianca would win the match by pinfall when she would hit the KOD on Sonya for the win. After the match, Bailey would come out on the stage and start gloating about her girls winning the tag team titles earlier in the night. Then you see Bailey start playing mind games with Bianca, asking her how it felt to beat Sonya Deville. Did it help her ego? Bailey would ask Bianca, does she want to have a match with her? Bianca would say, yep. Bailey would start saying that that match will happen at a later time. By this point, you would get Dakota and Io having the ring surrounded. Bailey and her girls would then attack Bianca, and then you see Asuka and Alexa Bliss come to Bianca's rescue. Alexa would hit Io with a DDT. Asuka would need Dakota Kai taking them out of the ring. And now Bailey's surrounded, and Bailey goes after Bianca. Bianca would spinebuster Bailey, and Bailey would roll out of the ring. So now you this is setting up probably for uh I would say a six-woman tag match again, but this time we're gonna do it differently. Probably if Bianca's team loses, she loses the Raw Women's Championship to Bailey. But if Bailey's team loses, they lose the tag team titles to Asuka and Alexa. I think that's where we're going with this. If not, we just get two separate matches out of it. Either way, I'm cool with it. Either way. After this match, we would get a match with Omos with MVP in his corner going against two random guys. Omos would win the match by pinfall when Omos would hit a double choke slam on both of the guys, then stack them on top of each other, put his foot on them for the win. Omos has been on Raw television at least for the past, what, three weeks, at least in my mind estimates. So it's refreshing to see Omos here. And again, we haven't seen Veer as well. Veer hasn't been on television in a good solid month. So again, I still am throwing this idea out to WWE here. Put MVP with Omos and Veer, and you can add another guy to whoever you want to do it. But again, you just start building up this big, colossal stable. You have Omos and Veer to play off of each other. MVP basically hyping up these guys because you don't have nothing to do with Veer. Veer was given all this promo packages to say, yo, he's coming to Raw, and he was only on Raw for, what, a couple months? And then he's off Raw now. And Omos, he's been on Raw basically since... 2020 with uh, AJ Styles being the backup for him and Omos lately hasn't been doing nothing so I would like to see Omos and Veer literally team up with MVP being the manager I would like that personally uh, now it's time for the main event of Raw Edge versus Dominic Mysterio who had Rhea Ripley in his corner this match went in, in a no contest when Edge has Dominic's arms wrapped in the ropes and you just start seeing Edge beat up on Dominic constantly, just like punch him in the face, punch him in the face. And as it seems that Edge is about to hit Dominic with a spear, 
Ray would slide into the ring and try to stop Edge. Edge would push Ray to the side, but then you see Ray grab Edge by the arm, and he's still pleading with Edge not to do this to his son. Edge would then push Ray into the corner, and then out of nowhere, you would see Damian Priest pull Ray out of the ring and like throw Ray across the commentary table, and this would take Ray out. Finn Balor would then run into the ring with a chair, and he would spear Edge, and now you have Finn and Edge are now fighting in the ring. The referee's calling for the bell at this point. Edge is now beating up on Finn. Rhea Ripley would come in and chop block Edge, taking him down. Rhea would tell Dom to get up and take the chair. Dom would take the chair and start hitting Edge left leg three times with the steel chair. Then you see Damian Priest grab the chair, open it up, and put Edge's leg on the chair and hold Edge's leg. While Finn goes to the top turnbuckle, jump off, hit the coup de grace on Edge's leg, and Edge is now screaming in agony and pain because... Now he's probably going to be on the shelf for some time now. And your final, like, lasting image on Raw is the Judgment Day standing tall. Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest. So this is showing you that they are a faction, a group to be taken serious, not just a laughable throwaway type stable. No, this group is here to take control of Raw. And I like this pivot that we're doing with Judgment Day. At the one point, we had no idea what we were doing with them. Now, it's a clear purpose. They're here to gather in numbers and try to change people's, well, careers for the better. So, we'll see how that goes as, well, we see what they do with Ray, Dominic, and whoever they want to have pick up the fight for Edge on Edge's behalf. As Edge is going to be basically sideline recouping. But, that is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, on to NXT. This was NXT's one-year anniversary episode. Also, by the way, I did release a NXT one-year review. It is available wherever you are listening to this. It's out right now. Uh, the first match to start off NXT's one-year anniversary is the NXT Tag Team Championship match between the Creed Brothers and Pretty Deadly. The fans were able to choose what match they wanted for this, and they choose a steel cage. So, we would get a steel cage match. Pretty Deadly would win the match by pinfall thanks to Damon Kemp. Damon Kemp would climb up the steel cage and handcuff Julius Creed's arm to the top of the steel cage. So you have Pretty Deadly basically taking on Brutus Creed towards the end of the match. And Brutus was actually able to handle Pretty Deadly by himself until it got too much. And the numbers game was too much for Brutus to handle when Brutus constantly got like chop block, thrown into the steel cage. He got hit with spilt milk twice, and that would basically seal the deal for Pretty Deadly to retain their NXT Tag Team Championships. So with that, we now have Pretty Deadly still as your Tag Team Champions. You have the Creed Brothers going after Damon Kemp Moore, and we're just waiting for the return of Roderick Strong with this whole situation. Will he side with Damon Kemp and say, I'm sorry for neglecting you, or will he ride with the Creed Brothers leaving Damon Kemp to try to find somebody to basically cover his back as he goes against Diamond Mind. But we'll see as the time goes. After this, we would get Fallon Henley with Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen and Connors Cure uh, Survivor, Mason Nighthowler Ramirez in her corner going against Lash Legend. Fallon would win the match by pinfall when Fallon would hit a running sidekick on Lash for the win. This was a Pretty standard match, to be honest. After this, we had Toxic Attraction coming out to the ring. Mandy would be out here with the NXT 
Women's Championship, no NXT UK uh, Women's Championship. Again, they have now put that off to the side. That title is now retired. Mandy will be out here celebrating her win at Worlds Collide. She mentions that when NXT Europe starts up, she might go over there and run that division as well, the same way that she's been running the NXT uh, Women's Division for about a year now. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane will say that they brought the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships to prominence and made them the most important tag team titles around this industry. They would then say that they are the most dominant group on this brand. And to be honest, you can't really like go against that. NXT and WWE has really been behind Toxic Attraction for this whole entire year. So that statement was actually true. Mandy will say that if there's one thing for this last year you should learn by now is to put some respect on her name. Then we will get Alba Fire coming out. Alba will tell Mandy that she's next in line for the championship and that Mandy is looking at the face of her demise being her NXT uh, championship reign. Gigi and JC will try to attack Alba, but Alba will hit both of the ladies with her baseball bat, and that eliminates them out of the equation. Now it's down to Mandy and Alba. Mandy will try to attack Alba, but she will get hit with a super kick, and then Alba will hit her with a KLR bomb, which is basically a gory bomb, and then go to the top turnbuckle. You'll see Gigi and JC pull Mandy Rose out of the ring, and then you see Alba jump back off the turnbuckle, look at the NXT Women's Championship. As she's walking towards it, Mandy will quickly grab the championship out of the ring. So again, we're setting up for Alba Fire to be the next person in line to go against Mandy Rose. After this, we will get the NXT debut of Quincy Elliott as he goes against a guy named Sean Gallagher. Or Gallagher. Either way, it doesn't matter. Quincy would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the bonsai drop for the win. I'm telling you right now, Quincy Elliott is going to be one of those guys that I think is going to like entertain the internet people, and I think he's going to entertain the crowd in general because we're in a new, we've been in a new era of 2022, and I think that this gives people vibes of the Velveteen Dream. I've heard that on the internet. I've seen Quincy Elliott, and I'm like, okay, I can see it, but I'm like, Quincy Elliott's putting his own like spinning twist on it. I just like to see what we're going to do with Quincy going into the future with NXT. What type of movesets is he going to have in his arsenal of moves? Is he going to just be one of those guys that's just going to be a heavy hitter? Is he going to do nothing but flamboyant movesets in his repertoire? I don't know, but as I said, I'm going to wait and see what they do with Quincy Elliott in the future. After this, we would get Tony D'Angelo and Stax going against Cameron Grimes and a mystery opponent. At first, Cameron says he's going into this match alone. He doesn't want nobody because he doesn't need nobody. But during the match, midway, you would get Joe Gacy with the dyad coming down. And Joe Gacy would basically team up with Cameron Grimes. So Joe Gacy would win the match for his team when Cameron would hit Tony D'Angelo with the cave-in. And then Joe Gacy would hit a springboard rebound clothesline on stacks for the win. After the match, Cameron Grimes would tell Joe Gacy that he didn't need him. Joe Gacy would hold his arms out for Cameron to join his group, but Cameron again would decline, and this would lead the dyad to basically get in the ring and start attacking Cameron from behind. They're upset because he turned down Joe Gacy's offer. So they would hit their tag finish, uh, Ticket to Mayhem, which is an assisted uh, code breaker on camera Grimes, and then they will hold Grimes still so Joe Gacy can hit the springboard rebound clothesline on him 
you would then see Joe Gacy put one of his like stickers, not stickers, but one of his like smiley face buttons on Cameron, just leave it right on his chest. So again, Joe Gacy is still trying to recruit Cameron Grimes into his uh, group. Will it be successful? I don't think it's going to be. Who's going to rock with Cameron Grimes? Well, joining him, we would get basically Idris Anofe and Malik Blade backstage in the parking lot talking trash about uh, Joe Gacy, and then you see the dyad going against those two. So I can see Cameron Grimes, Idris, and Malik Blade going against Joe Gacy in the dyad. And again, I've said this whenever Cameron Grimes was going against Braun Breaker for that little short period of time. Whenever Cameron was going, to, was a uh, backstage, and he saw Malik and Idris, and he had that little promo with them. I said that Malik and Idris should be back up with Cameron because Cameron could try to push those guys into prominence and make them something. Because again, Cameron Grimes is a guy that says that he can do it on his own, but he's more of the leader type. He needs to have two guys like backing him, and Malik and Idris will be the perfect guys. They're two guys that are looked at as, okay, these are the tag team that's going to be a, uh, if we need them for a funny sketch or we need them to get beat, this is the team for it. With Cameron Grimes basically leading them out of that, I can see them turning into a more serious tag team, a tag team that people could take more seriously. Yes, you can still have the fun and jokes, but whenever it's time to get down to business in the ring, they can get down to business. And they already proved it with a match with Viking Raiders earlier this year that they're able to get down to business. But we'll see what NXT has in store with Cameron and all these other guys later. Uh, after this, we would get Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks going against Kiana James and Ariana Grace. Nikita would win the match for her team by pinfall when Zoe would hit the Z360, which is a tilt-to-world knee to the face. And then Zoe would tag in Nikita. Nikita would hit her spinning kick to Ariana's head and then hit her with the jumping split for the win. After this, we would get Javier Barnell going against security guard Hank Walker. They've been building this up for the past like month, but I didn't really pay no attention. And I'm glad I didn't because Hank would win the match by pinfall when you would hit a running forearm on Barnell for the win. And the crowd was liking Hank. So we'll see what they do with Hank Walker. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, the natural progression is to make him be a wrestler character on your television show. Show him going through the training process and all that type of stuff. But we'll see what NXT got in store. And now it's time for the main event, the North American Championship match. It was Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in his corner going against a mystery opponent. Originally, it was supposed to be Wesley because Wesley's was chosen by the fans. And during the night, Wesley would get himself pumped up to wrestle against Carmelo. Melo and Trick would actually jump him in his locker room. And Melo would slam Wesley's head into the locker. More specifically, he would use a locker room well, the locker uh, door and start slamming it on Wes's head. So this would take Wes out of the championship picture. So now Carmelo's out here. He doesn't know who he's going to face. And out walks Solo Sokoa. And Solo Sokoa says that I got next. So Carmelo has to defend it against Solo Sokoa in the main event of NXT. And we have a new North American champion, Solo Sokoa, when Solo would hit the Uso Splash on Carmelo Hayes and win the new North American championship. Well, it's not new. He is the new North American champion. So the bloodline now has gold for everybody except for the honorary Sami Zayn. 
Uh, now we have Roman as the undisputed champion. We have the Usos as the undisputed tag team champions. We have Solo Sokoa as the North American champion. Sami Zayn, no championship gold. And that's how we end NXT. But wait, that's not how we actually end NXT because they will show the video package of Shawn Michaels talking about how NXT has gone through a different change and how we appreciate the fans for rocking with them, staying with them, all that type of stuff. And they will end with, we are NXT and the usual NXT logo, this new one that they have from colorful and all this type of stuff. You will see it morph and it's still the NXT logo that they previously have, but it's now just black, gold, and now white. So we're going back to black and gold, but we're issuing that white into it. And I don't know what that will lead into. That's going to play a part into the future of NXT. We're moving away from the colors, apparently. So this one year was a trial period for us. Let's see how the fans uh, take with the color version of NXT. I don't know what they're going to lead into. I don't know. I'm just going to uh, wait and see what we do get. But that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. We are getting a new NXT next week. What's the look and feel? I don't know. But we shall see when next week hits. Now off to AEW Dynamite. We will get our first match of the night. It is the semifinals for the World Championship Tournament between John Moxley and Sammy Guevara. Moxley would win the match by pinfall when Sammy would go for the GTH when Moxley would reverse out of it and hit the Death Rider for the win. And Moxley would advance to the finals, which will be held next week on Dynamite. And he'll be facing the winner between Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson, who had their match in the main event of Dynamite. Um, Sammy Guevara had a good match right here with John Moxley. At certain points, it seemed like Sammy was going to win because uh, towards the end of the match, you would see Anna Jay and Ty Conti coming down to the ring. Uh, Anna would play the distraction for the ref as Ty would get in the ring and kick Moxley in the nuts. And it seemed that Sammy was going to win, but nah, Moxley pulled it out at the end. So again, Sammy had a good showing, but it just proves that Moxley is the guy waving the AEW flag high and high right now. After this match would happen, we would get MGF coming out to the ring and he's straight up pissed. MGF would say that he hasn't slept for the last seven days. And it's because of John Moxley. He said that when he got in the ring with Moxley last week and he saw Moxley's eyes, he saw that Moxley had no fear and that pisses him off. MGF will reflect on their past history and say that he isn't the same kid that Moxley faced. And if you haven't been paying attention to AEW Dynamite or AEW in general during the pandemic in 2020, literally around this exact time, in 2020, we had Moxley going against MJF at All Out for the AEW title. So that's what he's making reference to. Uh, MJF will say that Moxley has faced his demons and he's won. But if he continues to mess around with him, he will be that demon that was floating over him and will take him out. When MJF was done talking about Moxley, he would then switch gears to talking about Stokely Hathaway and his new group called The Firm. MJF would say that he's known Stokely for ever since he basically was 19 years old and that's his best friend. So MJF would call Stokely and his group out to the ring. Once the firm and Stokely would get in the ring, MJF and Stokely will hug in the middle of the ring and then MJF will leave the ring so Stokely can explain what the firm is and what their affiliation as a business is. Stokely would get the mic and Stokely would say that once MJF 
was on the outs with AEW. He had a talk with MJF and they prayed and they concocted this whole plan together that basically came into fruition at All Out. And Stokely would then start mentioning that ever since he got into AEW, what he's been doing was nothing but a long con. I'm not a publicist. I'm not a manager. And I damn sure ain't no assistant. Who am I? I'm a friend. Just a friend. A friend who has a network and connections to make any and everything happen. And some of you all wish you had a friend just like me. Everything I've done since Double or Nothing has been a lie. It's been a hustle, a con, all to infiltrate the system. And how did I do it? You know, little bit of this, little bit of that. From kicking it with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter to watching reruns of Living Single with the House of Black. There's not one rock that I haven't unturned. And there's nothing like good old-fashioned blackmail. That's what makes me wake up in the morning. That is what turns me on. So Stokely would explain that basically he's now has blackmail on AEW. So now he's going to get anything and everything that he wants. That includes his boys, the firm, whatever they want. And by the way, I forgot to mention that. Um, Stokely's business relationship with MJF goes a little bit like this. Whenever MJF needs them, they will all come together as one unit and they will show up for MJF and be his backup support group. Once MJF doesn't need them, they will all go their separate way and they will handle their business. In the firm, you have W. Morrissey, you have the guns, Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn, you have Lee Moriarty, and you have Ethan Page. Stokely would say that now since he's had some power, aka blackmail, it's now time for his boys to get what they want. For W. Morrissey, it's basically him doing whatever he wants in AEW. For Lee Moriarty, he wants to go after the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. The Guns, they want to go after the AEW Tag Team Championships. And Ethan Page, he wants to go after the All-Atlantic Championship. The one thing they did not mention in this, and I think they kind of alluded to this, is that basically Stokely's no longer with Jade Cargill. We didn't hear nothing from Jade on Dynamite. So that leads me to wonder, what is Jade going to say to Stokely? Because you know that's going to happen sometime. Because remember, Stokely came into Dynamite being Jade's uh, strategist or publicist. So now, with that no longer being the case, I want to see how Jade is going to react to Stokely. Because you know they're going to have some type of segment together. Or at least she's going to mention it. And I just want to hear her clap back to Stokely. But that'll be the whole firm's situation. The firm's here to be MGF's backup. And when they don't need to be around MGF, they're all going their separate way. So that's what it is. After this explanation, we would get to another match of Jungle Boy going against Jay Lethal, who had Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt in his corner. Jungle Boy would win the match by submission when he would get Jay in the snare trap and Jay would tap out. It was a good match between Jungle Boy and Jay Lethal. I mean, there's nothing really truly special about it, but I mean, it was just a good stationary match for dynamite to have between both of these guys uh after this we have powerhouse hobbs going against a matt d martino basically hobbs won this match in extremely quick fashion when he would hit matt with the spine buster and cover him for the win after the match powerhouse hobbs would get on the mic and before he could say anything the fans would start chanting we want ricky hobbs will mention that he beat ricky starks at all out he would say that that chapter with Ricky is closed and now the new chapter opens tonight. Ricky starts will walk down the crowd stairs and get into the ring. Now you see Ricky start punching Hobbs. 
Then he grabs the mic that Hobbs had earlier and pop Hobbs in the face with it. And Hobbs will leave out of the ring. And that's the end of the segment. So Ricky Starks basically got some uh, revenge on Hobbs for beating him at all out. But they do not say that if they will have a match next week on uh, the Grand Slam card. If it was up to me, I probably would do it. I don't know if they're saving that for another thing. But I will say give Powerhouse and Ricky a match at Grand Slam. But we'll have to see. After this, we have a surprising AEW Tag Team Championship match. And the reason why I say surprising is because it was not advertised none last week on Dynamite or Rampage. It was just a legit surprise championship match on the show. It was Swerve in Our Glory, Keith Lee, and Swerve Strickland going against the Lucha Brothers. Uh, Keith would win the match for his team by pinfall. When Penta and Phoenix would go for the Fear Factor, but Swerve would push Phoenix off the top turnbuckle to the outside of the ring. Then Keith would finish Penta with the Big Bang Catastrophe for the win. After the match, the Acclaim would make their way to the ramp, and Max Caster would tell Swerve to stop nut-hugging every famous person he is around, and to have him and his boy come to AEW next week so the uncrowned champions can be crowned. After this, we would go to the back where we would have an AEW interviewer try to talk with the Death Triangle, but the Lucha Brothers would just walk past them since they just lost the AEW Tag Team Championship match. Pac would tell the interviewer that he needs to reintroduce everybody to the Death Triangle since they seem to forgot. They are the trios champions, and he is also the All-Atlantic champion, so they need to put some respect on their names, and that they are a dominant, fierce group. You will see Pac get punched in the face, and Pac drop to the floor. We don't know who it is until we see Orange Cassidy literally leaning over Pac's body, and he taps at both of the championships and say that Pac isn't going to be a double champion for long. And it was announced that next week, Pac will be defending the All-Atlantic Championship against Orange Cassidy at Grand Slam. After this, we have a tag team matchup. Britt Baker and Serena Deed with Rebel in their corner going against Athena and Tony Storm. Originally, it was supposed to be Hakuro Shida and Tony Storm going against Britt and Serena. But Hakuro Shida would get taken out by Britt Baker. We don't see Britt take out Hakuro Shida. We just see uh, Britt coming out of Hakuro Shida's locker room with her kendo stick so it was assumed that Britt attacked Hikaru Shida. so that's the reason why Athena took her spot here uh Serena Deed would get the win for her team by pinfall thanks to Rebel getting on the ring apron to distract the ref this would allow Britt to get a chair and have Serena throw Tony Storm's head into the chair then Serena would roll up Tony for the win after the match Athena would get in and attack both Serena and Britt Baker Britt would super kick Athena and then hit her with the curb stomp Britt Baker would then pick up the chair, and we would see Jamie Hayter run down to the ring and take the chair from Britt. And it looks like Jamie is about to hit Britt Baker, but she ends up hitting Tony instead in the stomach, and then she hits Tony in the back with it. She would then look at Britt Baker and remind her that she still doesn't trust her, and then leave the ring. It was then announced that next week, again on Grand Slam, we will have a fatal four-way Match for the interim AEW Women's Championship, Athena going against Serena Deed, going against Britt Baker, going against the interim champion, Tony Storm. Now we're off to the main event of Dynamite. It will be Chris Jericho going against Brian Danielson, and the winner will face Moxley in the finals next week for the AEW World Championship. Brian Danielson would win the match by submission, when Brian would get Chris Jericho into the label lock, and Chris would tap out. During the match, you would see Brian like hurt his foot, Brian would take off his shoe and he starts holding onto his foot. You have medical assistants going down there to check on Brian, but Chris Jericho would attack Brian's foot, 
So more than less next week, we're going to see Brian Danielson kind of like limp into his match with Moxley next week. And we can see Moxley probably going after Brian Danielson's foot next week. We just got to see how violent uh, Brian Danielson and John Moxley is going to be. Because remember, they're part of the Blackpool Combat Club. They like competition. Iron sharpens iron. So they're going to bring the best out of each other. And we're probably going to see blood in that match. We're really going to be honest with you. And the thing that I'm really looking forward to is William Regal on commentary because I want to see who he roots for in that match. He probably might stay neutral. But with Regal's commentary, I think we're going to see him lean one way towards a particular competitor over the other. I just don't know if he's going to lean more towards Brian Danielson because he has longer history with Danielson over Moxley. Or is he going to go with Moxley because he's going to see Brian as being too cocky in his match with Moxley next week? I don't know. But I'm going to be interested in that. But anyway, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to Impact Wrestling. Impact would have an X-Division Championship matchup to start their show with Speedball Mike Bailey defending his championship against Mascara Dorada. Bailey would win the match by pinfall when Bailey would hit the ultimate weapon on Dorada for the win. After the match, Kenny King would run to the ring as Bailey and Dorada would be shaking hands. Kenny would clothesline them both in the back. Then Kenny would throw Dorada out of the ring and hit Mike Bailey with the Royal Flush. It's basically a Samoan uh, slam. Not Samoan drop, but like Samoan slam. You put your opponent on your shoulders, and then you twirl them around, and you basically give them a rock bottom off your shoulders type of maneuver, if you will. Uh, Kenny would say that the X Division Championship belongs to him, and Kenny would leave the ring as Dorada would get back in the ring. We go to commercial. When we come back, we see Scott Demore talking to Mike Bailey in the back, and Scott will let Bailey know that he will be defending the X Division Championship against Delirious at Victory Road. Also, there will be another X Division matchup at Victory Road, and it will be consisted of a triple threat revolver match. And I'll explain that in a minute. The competitors in this match would be Trey Miguel, Yuya Yuma, uh, Yumira, or Yamada, however you would say his name. Uh, Alex Zane, Black Taurus, Laredo Kid, Mia Yim, Kazarian, and Kenny King. They all will be competing in this matchup. And a triple threat revolver match works like this. At the beginning, it will be three people in the ring, a regular standard triple threat match. Whoever gets pinned or submitted will be eliminated, and then another person comes out. We could constantly have this exact situation come down until the last three people are in the ring, and then it goes back to a regular standard triple threat match, and whoever pins or submits, the person will win that match. I know it sounds complicated, but once you see it, it becomes actually common. It just means that this match is going to be eating up a lot of time on Victory Road. So whoever wins this match will be facing uh, the X-Division champion at Bound for Glory. After this, we have Decay's Black Tarus and Crazy Steve going against Moose and Steve Macklin. Black Tarus would get the win for his team when Steve Macklin had Tarus in position and wanted to tag in Moose, but Moose would be distracted talking to a fan. This would leave Macklin to try to go for a suplex, but Tarus would reverse out of it and then shove Macklin into Moose. Tarus would then roll up Macklin for the win, and after the match, you would see Macklin and Moose argue in the ring because Macklin is yelling at Moose saying, "Why? Were, what were you doing talking to the fan? I was trying to tag you in. And again, they'll be yammering at each other. Sammy Callahan would appear on the perch in the arena and he would say, I would love for you guys to tear each other apart. But before you guys do that, I have to show you guys something. And he shows videos exposing that Moose and Macklin were working together and that they were planning on screwing 
over each other. Macklin and Moose would then start arguing, and then you start seeing them trading blows with each other. Basically, they're fighting. They fight in the middle of the ring, then they fight on the outside of the ring. Uh, Macklin gets the better of Moose by throwing him into the steel uh, guardrails. Sammy Callahan would pop up and hit Macklin from behind and then throw Macklin into the ring. Sammy would go underneath the ring, grab a barbed wire baseball bat. Sammy would get back in the ring and he's waiting for Macklin to get to his feet so he can hit him with it. And unbeknownst to Sammy, Moose would be on the ring apron. Uh, Macklin would get to his feet and then charge at Sammy. Sammy would move out of the way, leading to Macklin to hit Moose. Macklin would then look back at Sammy and Sammy would hit Macklin in the midsection with the baseball bat, and then Macklin will fall to the mat. Sammy was going to hit Macklin in the back with the baseball bat, but Macklin will roll out of the ring. And this is all building up for their match at Victory Road, all three of them in a barbed wire massacre match. And basically that's barbed wire everywhere. Barbed wire is replacing the ropes, and you can just use barbed wire in this match up here. Basically very bloody. Uh, after this, we will have Alicia going against Killer Kelly. Tasha Steeles will be on commentary for this match while Savannah Evans will be standing right beside her. Tasha Steeles is out here because Kelly Kelly for these past couple weeks has been antagonizing Tasha Steeles and she wants her out here to just watch her. Killer Kelly would win the match by submission when Kelly would lock in the killer clutch on Alicia and Alicia would tap out. After the match, Kelly would look at Tasha and Tasha would tell Savannah to get a steel chair and get in the ring. Savannah will get the chair, but as soon as she slides the chair in, you will see Kelly step on Savannah's hand, and Savannah would retreat. Tasha would tell Savannah to get back into the ring, but Savannah wouldn't do it, so Tasha decides to get in the ring and grab the chair. Once she grabs the chair, you see Kelly like grab the chair and drag Tasha into the ring. So now you have Tasha and Killer Kelly just looking at each other in their eyes, and Kelly would tell Tasha that she will see her at Victory Road. So, Killer Kelly has a match with Tasha Steeles at Victory Road. After this, we have the Impact Tag Team Championship match. Of Rich Swan and Josh Alexander, the world champion, going against Honor No More's Matt Taven and Mike Bennett for the Impact Tag Team Championships with Maria Canellis in their corner. Taven and Bennett would win the match by DQ when Eddie Edwards would come to the ring and get on the ring apron and Josh will hit Eddie, knocking him off the ring apron. Maria will get on the ring apron and now distract the referee as Josh will lock in the ankle lock on Taven. Taven would then push Josh into the ropes, and Eddie would hit Josh with the kendo stick in the head. This will lead Heath to run into the ring and hit Matt Taven with the wake-up call, and as soon as he does this, the referee would turn around to see Heath hit the move and call for the bell. So, Heath caused... Josh Alexander and Rich Swan, the tag team championships. We would go backstage and we see Josh Alexander, Rich Swan, and Heath. Heath would apologize to them for costing them the match, but he says that he was just trying to give them back up. Scott Demore will walk up on the guys and tell them that they have a match at Victory Road in a six man tag match. It'll be those three guys going against Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett. After this, we would have Mickey James going against Hanna. That's a independent Texas wrestler. Uh, Mickey would win the match by pinfall, when she would hit the Mick DDT for the win. After the match, Jagel Shaw would walk her way to the ring, and once she gets in it, she just circles around Mickey, having the spotlight all on her. 
Giselle will get the mic and chastise Mickey for wrestling nobodies these past two impacts and say that she's doing this so she can hold on to the spotlight a little longer. Giselle will say that Mickey's time is up and challenge Mickey to a match at Victory Road. Mickey would accept, so we have that match added onto the card. Now it's time for the main event of Impact tag team matchup. Motor City Machine Guns going against the Good Brothers. Chris Saban would win the match for his team by pinfall when the Motor City Machine Guns would hit their tag finish, Skull and Crossbones, which is basically a neck breaker uh, body splash onto Carl Anderson, and Chris Saban would pin Carl Anderson for the win. After this, we would see Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, the Good Brothers in the middle of the ring, and they would two-sweet each other and start hugging each other, and it was announced that next week on Impact, it will be the Motor City Machine Guns going against Ozzy Open, and that is your Impact Wrestling Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with Logan Paul coming to the ring. Logan Paul is here because he talked smacked about Roman Reigns after he just got done talking to Roman Reigns on his podcast. Uh, I didn't see it, but commentary will give you highlights of it. Uh, Logan would say that his mouth got him in trouble once again. He would say that if him and Roman had a match, it would be his match. He would dominate Roman. Logan would mention that he has set up a press conference in Las Vegas this Saturday, so Roman Reigns could meet him at the press conference. Paul Heyman would come out with the Bloodline, which is the Usos, Solo Sokoa, and Sami Zayn. Paul would enter the ring while the Bloodline surrounds the ring, and he would talk to Logan. Paul would say if there was one guy outside of the wrestling business that could be a Paul Heyman guy, it's Logan Paul. Paul would give Logan some credit by saying when he faced Floyd Mayweather, he was able to go the distance with Floyd. Floyd didn't even knock him down once. But Floyd Mayweather isn't Roman Reigns. Paul would say, just like his brother Jake, he shouldn't open his mouth and pick fights with somebody that he shouldn't be picking a fight with. Paul would say that Logan needs to apologize and he needs to pick a fight with someone else. Logan will tell Paul that he knows how all this goes because he is a promoter and he once was a promoter. It's only a press conference. Are they worried about him challenging Roman for the championship? Logan would say, what if he happens to beat Roman? What if he lands one good shot because it only takes one lucky shot and that's it? What happens if he becomes the new undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion? Paul will say that he doesn't like Logan, so now he has to handle him. So Paul will call Solo Sokoa to get into the ring. Solo will get on the ring apron. Sami Zayn will get a mic and he will step in the ring and tell Paul that isn't needed. Sami will tell Solo to let him handle it, so Solo will look at Paul, Paul would give the head nod, Solo would get off the ring apron. Sammy would tell Paul that he needs to handle this, not Paul. Probably Roman should have let me handle this, let me try it. So Paul would throw his mic in the air and just leave out of the ring and leave Sammy to deal with Logan Paul. Sammy would tell Logan that since he isn't from this world, he doesn't know how this works. So as he's about to explain how this works to Logan, Logan would punch Sammy in the mouth and drop Sammy. Jimmy Uso would tell Solo and a laughing Jay Uso that they need to get into the ring. And when they do that, Logan will leave the ring. Ricochet will come out. So now we have our first match of the night. Ricochet with Logan Paul in his corner. Going against Sami Zayn who had the Usos and Solo Sokoa in his corner. Ricochet would win the match by pinfall 
when there were multiple interferences in this match, but it would ultimately be Jay Uso that cost Sammy the win. When Jay would get on the ring apron to distract the referee, Ricochet would hit him. Sammy would then grab Ricochet and hit a half Nelson suplex and then cover Ricochet. Jay Uso would slide into the ring, leading the referee to get Jay out of the ring. Sammy would get a two count and then look at Jay and ask him what's his problem. Jay would say that he was trying to help Sammy. Sammy would leave the ring and now get in Jay's face. Jimmy would run over and try to play peacekeeper between both of them and tell them that it's not today. Right now is not the time. So then you see Ricochet jump out of the ring onto three of those three of them. Well, the Usos and Sammy. Ricochet would grab Sammy, throw him into the ring, go to the top turnbuckle, hit a shooting star press, and cover Sammy for the win. After the match, the Usos and Solo Sokoa would get in the ring and look at Ricochet and Logan Paul. Mad Cat Moss would run down to the ring with a steel chair and tell them, let's go, let's do this. But the bloodline would retreat and go to the back. After this, we would get Maximum Male Models now coming out for their Back to School collection. We would get a little hint of Max Dupree kind of going back to his L.A. Knight character when he says that we're only a couple miles away from L.A. and he does the L.A. hand motion and he just stops. And you have Maxine Dupree had to snap Max out of it. So we're coming close to getting L.A. Knight back on television and stepping away from this Max Dupree character that we're in. Anyway, Maximum Models, uh, Massey and Monsoir would do their uh, modeling of school clothing wear, but that whole thing would get completely destroyed when Braun Strowman would run up and just destroy both of them. He would take Mansoir into the ring and just beat him up. Chad Gable would come out to distract Braun while Otis would attack Braun from behind. And Otis actually would take it to Braun in this. I mean, Braun would get a couple licks off on Otis, but Otis would actually beat up on Braun and even hit a world strongest slam on Braun. And you would think, okay, Otis took care of Braun Strowman. Nope. As soon as Otis and Chad Gable would get out of the ring, Braun would sit up like The Undertaker, like immediately, and just look at Otis. He would get up, tear his shirt, and say that he wants to do this right now. So, that doesn't happen. Chad tells Otis that isn't happening, but we do get a match made for next week where Otis will be going against Braun Strowman on SmackDown. So we have that to look forward to. After this, we will have Damage Control coming out to the ring. Bailey, Dakota, and Io. Bailey and her girls will celebrate about Io and Dakota becoming the new WWE Tag Team Champions. Bailey will say that this is what greatness looks like. Instead of waiting for people to hand you an opportunity, you just go and take it. Bailey will say that they have something that everybody wants in its power. Raquel Rodriguez will then come down to the ring and say that she doesn't see anyone with power. She sees people that are bullies and people that hurt her friend. Referencing Aaliyah because they took out Aaliyah and now Aaliyah is supposedly on the shelf. Uh, she will say that she also sees people that are powerless. So Raquel will get in the ring and Damage Control would leave the ring, but... We would get our next matchup of Raquel Rodriguez going against Bailey, who had Dakota and Io in her corner. Bailey would win the match by pinfall, thanks to damage control interfering in the match. When Dakota would get in the ring, and Raquel would grab Dakota and use her as like a weapon on Bailey when she would swing Dakota, hit Bailey with Dakota, and then slam Dakota on top of Bailey. Raquel would then hit an elbow drop on both of the ladies, and then the referee would get Dakota out of the ring. 
Raquel now has Bailey for a powerbomb, but Io will get on the ring apron and grab Raquel's face and rake her eyes as the referee is still dealing with Dakota Kai at this time. This will allow Bailey to then hit the rose plant on Raquel and then cover her for the win. After the match, Damage Control will get in the ring and beat up on Raquel some more. But Shotzi Blackheart, or Shotzi, would run down to the ring, and Shotzi would pull Dakota out of the ring and scare off Io and Bailey. So it seems to me that Shotzi is now going to be taking the place of Aaliyah right now as Aaliyah recoups, and it's going to be Shotzi and Raquel going against Damage Control. After this, we would go backstage and we would get Ronda Rousey having her backstage interview. Ronda would be interviewed about her upcoming match with Liv at Extreme Rules. Liv Morgan would interrupt the interviewer and ask for the interviewer to leave so she and Ronda could talk. Liv would say that Ronda should pay her some respect because she is the only woman that has beaten her twice in the WWE. Liv would say that Ronda hasn't shown her respect, but she will because the next time they face each other at Extreme Rules, it will be in an Extreme Rules match. Ronda will look at Liv and say, it's your funeral, and then leave. So we're building upon the whole Liv Morgan wants to respect she wants it from Ronda. She wants people to not see her win against Ronda as fluke. Wins are controversial wins. So that's the reason why we're getting this Extreme Rules match. I'm going to wait until we see how we constantly build up to this Extreme Rules matchup. I want to see how we do. Because right now I have some feelings towards it. But I'm not going to say it yet until probably next week when they like really rev into it. Because to be honest with you, they only got what? two to three weeks to build upon that match, but we'll see how it goes. After this, we get Drew McIntyre popping up on the commentary table. Drew would say that Karrion Cross has no balls because he constantly attacks him from behind. Drew would say that since Karrion is obsessed with time so much, the only time he has to worry about is the countdown of 3, 2, 1, then the lights will be out. So Drew is going to be going against Karrion Cross because, again, Karrion has constantly been screwing Drew McIntyre every which way since Karrion got back on WWE and back in the WWE. So it's going to be a nice situation of two big guys just going at it. And we're going to give Karrion Cross the spotlight. So let's see how Karrion Cross do when that match with Drew McIntyre actually does happen. After this, we get the North American Championship match of Madcap Moss going against Solo Sokoa, who has Sami Zayn in his corner, and no one else. Because before Solo will walk out to the ring, you will see Solo with the Usos and Sami. You see Jay trying to hype up Solo to the point that he says, all right, let's go out there. And Solo has to stop and look at Jay and tell him, nah, I'm good. And he tells Jay that you've been off your game tonight. Nah, you stay back here. And he looks at Sammy and says, you coming with me, Sammy? Sammy would be so surprised and he would just have a big old smile on his face as he looks at Jay and just like, well, looks like I gotta go, looks like I gotta go out there. So Solo Sokoa, being the youngest of the Usos, just sunned his older brother in front of his arch nemesis, Sammy Zayn. Just look at that promo on SmackDown if you have it recorded or go to YouTube. Trust me, somebody has it up there. You could just see the seething in anger that Jay is going to have now more for Sami Zayn now because now he has his younger brother and his other brother, Jimmy, siding with him over him. It's going to be a big, big 
colossal like meltdown when Jay finally blows up and is going to come to fist whenever he and Sammy actually go at it. But we don't get that here tonight. Anyway, on to the championship matchup. Solo would win the match by pinfall thanks to Sami Zayn helping him in the match. When Sami would pull Solo out of the ring, this would drive Mad Cat insane because Sami would constantly be trying to interfere in their championship match. But when he finally pulls Solo out of the ring this time, Mad Cat would get out of the ring and chase Sami around the ring. Sami would run into the ring and then Mad Cat would slide into the ring and now Mad Cat would then get hit with a super kick from Solo Sokoa, and then Solo will finish him off with a Uranage for the win, so Solo is still your NXT North American Champion. After this, it's time for the main event of SmackDown. Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Matchup Number 1 Contenders. The winners will be facing the Usos for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. It is Hit Row going against Imperium, going against the New Day, going against the Brawling Brutes. The Brawling Brutes would win the match by pinfall when Imperium would have Kofi set up for the Imperial Bomb, and unbeknownst to them, when Ludwig was on the top turnbuckle, you would see Rich Holland sneakily get on the ring apron and tag himself in and then drop down, and you would see Imperium hit the Imperium Bomb on Kofi, and then as Ludwig is going to cover Kofi, you would see Rich get in the ring, throw Ludwig off of Kofi, throw him outside of the ring, and cover Kofi for the win. So, Brawling Brutes are now your new number one contenders for the WWE Universal, well, not Universal, the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. So, again, the Usos are going to win because now Imperium and the Brawling Brutes are still going to be building off their whole little animosity between each other because now Imperium feels that they got robbed. So, I don't expect uh, Brawling Brutes to win their match with the Usos. If they do, it's going to be a nice little curveball, but I don't see it happening. But anyway, that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to AEW Dynamite. Our first match of the night will be Matt Hardy going against Darby Allin. Darby Allin would win the match by pinfall when he gets Matt Hardy in the Last Supper pin for the win. Solid match between both of these two guys. Uh, after the match, Darby and Matt would show each other appreciation, and then Darby would leave the ring. Once Darby would walk up the ramp and go through the tunnel, the lights in the arena would go out. And once they pop back on, Brody King and Julia Hart are in the ring and Brody will clothesline Matt Hardy. Brody would tell Julia to get a mic. Once she does, she hands it to Brody. Brody will call out Sting and Darby. And he will say that this isn't over. Just because she cut the head off the snake, there is still plenty of venom left. Referring to Malachi Black no longer being an AEW. Uh, Sting and Darby Allen would come out and Brody would challenge them to a tag team match next week on Rampage in a no disqualification match. House of Black going against Darby and Sting. And as Darby and Sting would walk towards the ring, you would see Brody put Matt Hardy in the same sleeper hold that he put on uh, Darby Allen and he would have Matt Hardy like dangling off the ring apron. Sting and Darby would yell out that they accept the match and then you would see the lights go out. But once they pop back on again, Brody and Julia were gone. So we get Sammy and Darby going against the House of Black next week in a no disqualifications tag team matchup. I want to see how that goes because, again, it's weird not having Malachi Black here. It's weird still to be calling your group House of Black. But uh, we'll see how we rebrand it and change it since AEW does own like trademarked 
the name House of Black. So we're going to see how that whole thing goes out. Who's going to be the next uh, third guy in this group since Malachi is going. And I think Brody more or less is probably going to be the guy leading this group. Uh, after this, we will get Claudio Castiglione and Wheeler Yuta coming down to the ring. Wheeler Yuta is just there to play support for Claudio. Claudio would say that the Blackpool Combat Club is the new symbol of excellence. He will make note that Wheeler Yuta did lose the Pure Championship last week, but that isn't something to be ashamed about because you learn most when you lose. And he knows that Wheeler Yuta will retain and get back his Pure Championship. Claudio would say that since he has the Ring of Honor World Championship and both John Moxley and Brian Danielson will be facing each other for the AEW World Championship, next week the Blackpool Combat Club will have two World Championships in their group. Chris Jericho would get sick of hearing this and leave the commentary booth and he would say that Claudio must have forgot that the Jericho Appreciation Society is still around and they are the symbol of excellence. Jericho would say that he is a former Seven-time champion, he would mention that he's won championships in the WWF, WWE, WCW, and was the inaugural AEW World Champion. But he does make mention that he has never been the Ring of Honor Champion, so he would challenge Claudio to a match next week on Dynamite. Claudio would accept and say that he is going to beat the hell out of Chris Jericho in their match, so that match is now added on to Dynamite's Grand Slam. After this, we go backstage to Jay Cargill having an interview. Jay Cargill would make note that she has ran through the whole locker room and there's no one left for her to beat. She will also make mention that she never needed Stokely, so Stokely can go about his business. Diamante would walk up on Jade and say that if she won a competition, all she had to do was ask. Diamante will say that next week she is going to bring the baddest woman with her to Rampage next week. So we're going to see how that match works. I think we're really running out of like opponents for Jade to really go against, to be honest with you. Jade has really ran through the whole AEW women's locker room. The only people that she hasn't literally gone against yet is like Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, like Serena Deed. Everybody else, she's I believe she's went through. So. I believe those are the only like couple women left like on the roster for her to go against. But I have a feeling she's going to beat Diamante next week. I just want to know who is Diamante going to be bringing with her as her backup as Jay got the baddies. But we'll find out next week on Rampage. Uh, after this, we would get Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian in her corner going against Willow Nightingale. Uh, Penelope would win the match by submission when she would lock in the Moodle Lock on Willow and Willow would submit. Nice match between Willow and Penelope. We got to see Penelope get more aggressive here. I like that Willow Nightingale was back on AEW television. I'm surprised she doesn't have a contract with AEW the way that they keep on using her so many times. But one day she'll get a contract with a big major company, whether it be AEW or WWE. If I was AEW, I would try to lock it down because once WWE got their eyesight on Willow and they make a contract signing, like they try to extend the contract to her, I guarantee you she's going to take it. She's going to take it, and if she doesn't, I'll be surprised because AEW hasn't offered her a contract, and if they did, I'm surprised she hasn't took that neither. So I just have a feeling that if WWE asks her before AEW does, she's going to sign a contract. So if I was AEW, the times that I have been using her, as much as I've been using her, just give her a contract because she is a person that could play a real big pivotal role in your women's division right now. Uh, after this, we would get Ethan Page with Stokely Hathaway in his corner going against Danhausen. Ethan would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the Eagles' edge on Danhausen. 
this was really just like a quick matchup. To be honest with you, this was something for Ethan to get a win off. And I was surprised to see Ethan with Stokely here. Stokely said on Dynamite, this is going to be like one of the rare few times that you see the firm completely all together because when we're not needed for MJF, we're not going to be around together. We're going to be this like doing our own separate things. I didn't know if Starkly was like going to be a guy just in the background or what. So it seems to me now that whenever one of his guys are in a match, he's going to just be around his guys like a Bobby Heaton type deal. And I'm glad for that. So I'm glad to see Stokely still on his television screen and uh, hang around his guys, even though his guys aren't going to be all together unless MJF needs them. So that's going to be a new uh, interesting twist to see whenever MJF actually does need the firm to come together. After this, it's time for the main event of Rampage for the Ring of Honor Television Championship. It is Samoa Joe defending the title against Josh Woods, who has Tony Nese and Mark Sterling in his corner. Samoa Joe would win the match by a pinfall when he would hit Josh Woods with the muscle buster for the win. This was a good match for Samoa Joe and Josh Woods. Uh, Joe got some ring rust off of him since he's been gone off television for a while. And Josh Woods, he was actually able to, again, have another one of his uh, showcase matches with somebody of the caliber of Samoa Joe to let people know what Josh Woods is all about. Josh Woods was actually able to take the fight to Samoa Joe, something that not a lot of people actually could do, but somebody like a prospect that Josh, that a lot of people don't know, they should watch this match with Samoa Joe and actually see what Josh Woods could do. And they could be like, okay, this is this this is the guy. Yep, this is the guy that we need to pay attention to. Uh, so I was glad to see Josh Woods actually get that type of like, like match with Samoa Joe here. Uh, after the match, you would see Tony Nese attack Samoa Joe from behind. Josh Woods would help Nice beat up on Joe. You would see Nice and Woods both hold Joe and Mark Sterling would grab the television championship. And as he's about to hit Joe, you would hear Warlow's music hit. Warlow would walk down to the ring. You would see Tony Nese and Josh Woods both leave the ring. And you would see Samoa Joe hold Mark Sterling's leg. Once Warlow would get in the ring, Warlow would grab Mark Sterling put him between his legs, and he looks to have him in the powerbomb spot. But Tony Nese would grab Mark Sterling's leg and pull him out of the ring. So, again, Mark Sterling has been saved yet again from getting powerbombed by Warlow. This will lead to Warlow and Samoa Joe looking at one another. They will have their championships in their hands. They will clink their championships together. And that's how Don, well, not Dynamite, but Rampage would end with both the TNT champion and the Ring of Honor television champion holding up their championships in the air, and it would be announced that next week on Rampage, we will have Samoa Joe and Warlow going against Tony Nese and Josh Woods. And that's how Rampage ends, and that's your Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Also, to make note, it would be announced that Rampage next week will be two hours. So if you watch wrestling on a Friday, prepare to have wrestling literally be on from 8 to 12 o'clock. So 8 p.m. to midnight, that's going to be the legit scheduling for me on Friday. And boy, oh boy, that's going to be fun. But hey, man, I like wrestling, so we're going to see how it works. But anyway, that's your wrestling highlights of the week. This has been G2. I love you guys. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Please be safe. Please be uh, careful. Don't be a dick. Please love uh, yourself and also love your family and just be courteous on the road. Also, if you could check out the Sunday episode tomorrow 
I think you'll enjoy it. But if not, hey man, I appreciate you guys always checking out uh, the Saturday episodes for the wrestling highlights. I really do appreciate that. But with all that being said, I love you guys. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh -huh. Jesus wept. Uh -huh.